Scripture reading this evening is Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 9. I mean 7 through 11. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you who if his son asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish will give him a serpent? If you then being evil known how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Thank you for the scripture reading tonight, Cameron. We appreciate that. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 7, the passage read a moment ago. Matthew 7, 7 through 11. As we think about foundations for a prayer life, there are a lot of blessings that we enjoy in Christ. It would be difficult for us to probably express in words just how abundantly blessed we are as God's children. One of the great blessings that we enjoy is prayer. And there are so many things that we tend to take for granted in life, and sadly sometimes even when it comes to prayer, we tend to take it for granted. And there are times when maybe we neglect praying to God. In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we have what is typically referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus thought a lot about prayer, spent a lot of time in prayer. And I think what he is saying here in these verses is that we ought to be people of prayer. And we too ought to spend a lot of time in prayer. And there are some great blessings afforded us as we think about this subject. I want to begin tonight by talking about some guiding principles of prayer. Some guiding principles of prayer. Listen, if you would, to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Prayer, as I said a moment ago, is a tremendous blessing. We have the privilege, the right, to approach the throne of God in prayer. Peter said, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 12. The Bible tells us that the Lord delights in the prayers of the upright. So first and foremost, we need to understand that the Lord wants us to pray. The Lord has given us this blessing because He believes that it will be a tremendous resource for us in this life. I want to begin by saying that there are some commands related to prayer in Scripture. For example, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus said that men ought to always pray. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul said, pray without ceasing. And really all he's saying is that the Christian life ought to be characterized by prayer. It ought to be a natural expression of who we are and what we are as God's children. You remember the psalmist in in the long ago said, Evening, morning, and noon will I pray and cry aloud. So, prayer being a regular part of daily life. And then in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, Paul said, Continue steadfastly in prayer. Again, the idea of approaching the throne of God in prayer. So, 
We talk about some of the guiding principles of prayer. Why should we pray? There are probably a lot of reasons why we ought to pray. This morning we talked about some of those reasons. But I want to just outline three reasons why I believe we ought to pray. And we talk about these guiding principles that relate to prayer. First and foremost, we pray because it is an ark to bonding. In other words, fellowship. One of the reasons we pray to God is because we want to draw closer to Him. Do you remember James said, draw near to God? And the promise is, He'll draw near to you. There are people that no doubt you enjoy spending time with. Why do you enjoy spending time with them? Because you like them. They're friends, they're family members, they're people that you like to associate with, you like to bounce ideas off of, and you look, for, look to them for advice and counsel, etc. Well, think about the Christian life for a minute. The Bible says that we are the children of God. As God's children, does He not want to hear from us? Yes. Is there not something to be said about drawing closer to God, closer in union with God, through prayer? I think about the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3, when he said, For this reason I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can look at the life of the Apostle Paul, and one of the things that stands out, Paul was a man of prayer. Many times you'll read about Paul praying for other people and expressing his thanksgiving for them. And then there are occasions, for example, when he'll ask people to pray for him. Prayer was a natural part of his life. Well, by the same token, we have been called into the fellowship of God's dear Son. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. And so don't you think that we would want to strengthen those ties, strengthen that bond, spend time with God? There are two ways we spend time with God. Well, a couple of ways. One, we pray to Him. That entails us speaking to Him. And then when we read and study His Word, He's speaking to us. He is communicating to us. And so I would encourage us, spend time in prayer because it is an ark to bonding. There's a second reason why we ought to pray. And that is... We ought to pray to acknowledge our blessings. Think about all of the great blessings that you enjoy in this life, and there are so many blessings, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I mean, you think about all the great blessings that you have, and sometimes, sadly, we take those blessings for granted, don't we? Do you remember the psalmist when he said, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with blessings or benefits? When's the last time you took out a sheet of paper got a pen or a pencil and just started jotting down some of the things that you had to be thankful for. You ever done that? You ever just paused in the midst of some of the anxieties and difficulties of life and thought about, you know what, I may be hurting and I might have trouble in my life, but I'm still blessed. In class, a couple of weeks ago, we were about to pray before class began. And some of those in class were sharing some of the problems they were experiencing or some of the problems other people were experiencing. And Neil spoke up and he said, you know what, I feel pretty blessed after hearing all the things that are going on in the lives of other people. I think, I think that's true. And I think sometimes we fail, to, we fail to accentuate the good, the blessings 
Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, he talked about praying without ceasing. And he said, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Again in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, Paul said, continue steadfastly in prayer. Listen to him, watching therein with thanksgiving, being grateful. There are a lot of folks that did not have the physical ability, physical capacity to get out of bed this morning. There are some folks, they have been confined to bed for many, many weeks, many months, sometimes even years. There are some folks that, physically speaking, their body, their body's a wreck. There are some people that, mentally speaking, are impaired. They have problems, they're not able to go about life, to work, to enjoy companionship, etc., there are people that have physical limitations, mental limitations. There are a lot of people in our world today that have economic hardships and adversities. People lose their job, etc. You think about all the things that are going on. And then just step back and think about how blessed you are to live in a country like America and to enjoy all these great blessings. James said every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from above. So God is the source of all of our blessings. And then there is a third thing, and that is we ought to pray to God for assistance with our burdens. I want to ask you a question tonight. Do you ever find life difficult? Do you ever have tough times? Do you ever have things go on in life that Honestly, you just can't explain. You ever known somebody that it seems like they'll take three steps forward, two backwards? It's like that seems like a better part of their life. You ever known people that seem to have this black cloud hovering over them? You think about the world in which we live. The world in which we live is filled with suffering. It is a part of of this world, of this life. The Bible says, and by the way, in Job chapter 14, verse 1, Job said, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Do you know of anybody more qualified to write about human suffering than Job did? You know anybody like that? Do you know anybody that lost ten children? Buried them. Do you know anybody that lost, in addition to losing his children. You know anybody lost their wealth? A lot of their material goods, we would say bankrupt. And then add to that the loss of one's health. And then throw in to the mix the fact that Job's wife said, curse God and die. She didn't even support him. And so you look at the factors that related to the life of Job, and you see, here's a guy that was very qualified. As we would say, he was competent to talk about trouble, wasn't he? He knew what he was talking about. Sometimes we talk about the University of Hard Knocks. Job went to that university. And Job understood what it meant to face troubles and trials in life. Now, when we think about praying to God and some of the guiding principles of prayer and the fact that Prayer affords us the opportunity 
to seek aid with our burdens. I was telling Jared the other day, it's amazing how children can teach you things. I said, I'd never really thought about this. I don't know why, but I haven't. But Anna and Charlie come, to, come up to the office quite frequently. And so when Anna and Charlie come to the office, a lot of times they'll, well, she'll put the baby down, and next thing you know, Charlie's zipping around here and there, and a lot of times she'll find her way into my office. And she'll come into the office, and a lot of times she'll come in, and she'll come right around to where my chair is, and she'll get up on her two knees, kind of raise herself up, and hold her hands up. What she want? She wants me to pick her up, doesn't she? As a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Your children have probably done the same thing. I've never thought about this, though. But I thought about when we go to God in prayer, isn't it the case, and we've got a lot of other young children here, and I would imagine that some of the other young kids do the same thing. But isn't it the case that when we go to God in times of duress and we're asking God to help us with our burdens, that we're not, are we not lifting our hands up to God and saying, I need help, I want you to pick me up. I want you to care for me. Is that not what we're saying? And you think about a child, you pick that child up and you hold that child close to you, that baby feels safe, loved, cared for. If you go back to the Old Testament, think about Solomon. Solomon prayed and there are different postures of prayer. You can kneel. Paul talked about kneeling in Ephesians chapter 3. Another posture of prayer was they would raise their hands and they would turn the palms upward. And so they're praying to God, hands extended, arms extended, with the palms lifted upward, entreating God. So when we have trouble and trial, can we not go to God with the assurance that He'll be there for us? Can we do that? Do you remember what, do you remember what the Hebrew writer said? That we are to draw boldly unto the throne of grace, that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need? There are passages that sometimes I cite frequently because I think, I think they help. And I think repetition is a great teacher. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care on Him. Why? Because He cares for you. So there are times when we go to God, when we come before His throne, and our hands are lifted high, and what we're saying in effect is, pick me up, I need you to carry me. I need your help, I need your assistance. That's exactly what we do. And that's a great blessing. There's a second thing I want you to see in our study. First, we talk about the guiding principles of prayer. Secondly, the grinding perseverance of prayer. The Grizzlies are known as a team that demonstrates grit and grind. They play, as we would say, backyard basketball. They don't mind mixing it up. And they don't mind gritting and grinding their way to wins. You know what, when you live here on planet Earth, sometimes you've got to realize it may take some grit and grind. When it comes to prayer, you've got to grit and grind your way. Well, what do I mean by that? First, we need to be steadfast in our prayer life. Resolve to pray. Listen, if you would, to what, listen to what Jesus said. And really, if you look at verses 7 and 8, the tenses are, you keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. 
And to he who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. Turn with me, if you would, very quickly. I want you to see something. In Luke chapter 11, we looked at Luke 11 this morning. But I want you to look at verse 5. In verse 5, we have a parable. And the parable really accentuates perseverance or persistence in prayer. Here's what Jesus said. Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he'll answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. Now, imagine if you can, somebody coming at midnight, knocking on your door, and wanting you to get up, get up, get them something, send them on their way. Look at verse 8. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Think for a minute about the relationship that you have with your child. Do you ever have, does your child ever want something and they tell you they want something, they, they have something on their mind that they want. When they get up in the morning, what are they talking about? I want this. When they get home from school, what are they talking about? I want this. After dinner at night, what are they talking about? I want this. There's something they want. And they continue to ask and ask and ask and ask. Sometimes that can get old, can't it? It does get old. And I think if you look at it from a human perspective, it can wear thin, can wear your patience thin. And sometimes it can displease you as a parent. But what God is saying is, it might displease somebody in the human family when we continue to ask and ask and ask and ask. But what the Lord is saying is, it pleases Him. He wants us to ask. Listen again, go back again and look at Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, ask, it'll be given to you, seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. Again, what's the idea? You keep asking, you keep seeking, you keep knocking, persistence. Resolve to pray, and keep praying, and keep praying. That's what he's saying. Now, there's a second aspect here. It has to do with our submission in prayer. And by the way, before we move on, let me just say this. We're good. We talk about persistence in prayer. Did Jesus not demonstrate persistence in the garden? Remember in the garden of Gethsemane? Matter of fact, he, the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 5, verse, verse 7, rather, speaking of Christ, who in the days of his flesh offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him who was able to save him from death and he was heard in that he feared. Now you can go back and look at Matthew chapter 26 
and read about Jesus going into the Garden of Gethsemane, taking with him Peter, Peter and James and John. And Jesus three times prays to God the Father. Three times Jesus says, If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. Now you think about that. And then look at the life of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, in verse 7. You remember the Apostle Paul talked about the abundance of revelations that he had received. And he said, because of the abundance of those revelations, he had been given a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to buffet him, lest, as he said, he be exalted above measure. And the Bible says three times he prayed to the Lord to remove this thorn in the flesh. And what did the Lord say? My grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes we pray over and over and over again. And maybe we want a certain thing. Maybe we are asking for a certain thing. God's will is no. Paul learned something. He learned that what he needed to do was trust God during those difficult times or with that thorn in the flesh. Jesus prayed persistently in the garden. Sometimes God says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says you need to wait. I think what that says to us, at least what it says to me is, God is omniscient. He knows all things. He knows what I can handle, what I cannot handle. He knows when I'm ready for certain things, when I'm not ready for certain things. He knows if what I'm asking for lines up with His will or if it does not. You remember what John said in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14? This is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, what? He hears us. He hears us. So we have confidence that God hears us. And if we have confidence that He hears us, if we ask according to His will, we have the assurance what? He'll follow through. So you think about persistence. Praying. Now I mentioned a moment ago submission to His will, and really that goes back goes back to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Matthew chapter 26, the lives of Jesus and Paul. Submitting to the will of God. Relinquishing to God's will. Let me tell you what, one of the most difficult things in life, one of the most difficult things in life is letting go and saying, you know what, God, you know what's best. Sometimes we think we know what's best, and maybe we have in our mind, in our heart of hearts, maybe we have in mind what we need, what we want, how this should work or how that should work out, but ultimately God knows everything, doesn't He? And so submitting to the will of God, trusting the Lord. Now, there's a third thing I want you to see in our lesson, and that is the golden promises of prayer. Listen now to what Jesus said beginning in verse 9. 
What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, he'll give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Two things here. First, I want you to think about the goodness of God. Jesus here is talking about, he's talking about a father and his son. And he's saying, you know, a son asks his father for a certain thing, the father tries to comply with it, doesn't he? Why? Because he's a good father. And Jesus is saying, our heavenly father is good to us. And he is good to us. I want you, there are two things I want you to see. Back up, if you would, to chapter 6. We talk about the goodness of God. Two things stand out. You remember Jesus talked about the danger of worry in life in verse 25 beginning. He said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not a more value than they? The answer, yes, you are. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? Now look at verse 28. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now note the continuation. Therefore do not worry saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your Heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Two things. Number one, God is fully aware of what we need in life, isn't He? God knows what we need. Not only does God know what we need, but the Bible says God is attentive to those needs, isn't He? Listen again to what He said. Verse 32. He's talking about those who say, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Again, the omniscience of God. God is not only aware of our needs, but He is attentive to our needs. Why is that? Because He's a good God. Now, there's a second thing here. We talk about the goodness of God and then the graciousness of God. And I think about His presence and His provisions. There's a passage of Scripture, it's often overlooked in the Psalms, it's Psalm 125. The psalmist in the long ago said, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which abides forever. And then, here's what he said. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds His people from this time forth and forever. All He's saying is, look, the Lord is surrounding us. The Lord is present. His presence is ever felt. Now we talk about the presence of God and the privilege of prayer and the power of prayer and the graciousness of God and the fact that God knows our needs. 
He's attentive to those needs. And the Bible says, look, you need to be grateful for the presence of God and then for His rich provisions. Listen again to what Jesus said. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, will, he'll give him a serpent. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? I began by saying a moment ago, or asking really the question, when's the last time you just sat down with a pen and a piece of paper and wrote down all the things that God's blessed you with in life? You'd be amazed at the provisions that you enjoy every single day. Many of those provisions, many of those blessings we tend to take for granted. And Jesus is simply saying, look, if a father cares for his child and does his best to provide for that child and provides those things that are necessary to life every single day, don't you think our Father in heaven is going to do more than that? What's he saying? He's saying you can depend on God. You can trust God. I want to close by saying this. Jesus, Jesus said a lot about prayer. And he modeled a prayer life. So when I step back and I think about how much time he spent in prayer, and I think about here is Jesus, the Son of God, and he's saying to those of us who are a part of his family, he's saying, look, you ask, you seek, you knock. And the promise is, when you ask, it'll be given. When you seek, you'll find. When you knock, it'll be opened. Does the Lord answer prayers? Yes, He does. Yes, He does. Let's close with prayer. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for the privilege and the power of prayer. We're grateful for all of, all of the blessings and favors that we enjoy in this life. We're thankful for our family, for our friends. We're thankful for our church family. We're thankful for your great love and care for us. We ask that you would bless each of us in your service. Help us to be people of gratitude. Help us to look to you for guidance and strength. And may we never give up. Help us, Father, to read and study your word. Help us to spend more time in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ, believing that Jesus is the Son of God. Over and over again, the Bible says in a very emphatic way, Jesus is God's only Son. Do you believe that? If you believe Him to be the Son of God and you would be willing to repent of your sins, confess His name before others, be buried with Him in baptism, the Bible says all your sins will be washed away, Acts 2, verse 38. The beauty of that is God will then put you in the church, Acts 2, 47. If you're faithful until death, the promise being the crown of life, Revelation 2, verse 10. If you're here tonight, maybe your life's not what it ought to be. Maybe your faith is not where it ought to be. 
beauty of being a Christian is we can always ask God to forgive. We'd be happy to pray with you and for you, and God will abundantly pardon as we stand and sing.